This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents Robert Graves reading his own poetry, which draws on the author's experiences in World War I. There is one story, and one story only, that will prove worth your telling, whether as learned bard or gifted child. To it, all lines or lesser gourds belong, that startle with their shining such common stories as they stray into. Is of trees you tell, their months and virtues, of strange beasts that beset you, of birds that croak at you the triple will, or of the zodiac and how slow it turns below the boreal crown, prison of all true kings that ever reigned. Water to water, arc again to arc, from woman back to woman, so each new victim treads unfalteringly the never-altered circuit of his fate, bringing twelve peers as witness both to his starry rise and starry fall. Or is it of the virgin's silver beauty, all fish below the thighs? She, in her left hand, bears a leafy quince. When with her right she crooks a finger, smiling, how may the king hold back? Royally, then, he barters life for love. Or of the undying snake from chaos hatched, whose coils contain the ocean, into whose chops with naked sword he springs, then in black water, tangled by the reeds, battles three days and nights to be spewed up beside her scalloped shore. Much snow is falling, winds roar hollowly, the owl hoots from the elder. Fear in your heart cries to the loving cup. Sorrow to sorrow as the sparks fly upward. The log groans and confesses. There is one story and one story only. Dwell on her graciousness. Dwell on her smiling. Do not forget what flowers the great boar trampled down in ivy time. Her brow was creamy as the crested wave. Her sea-blue eyes were wild, but nothing promised that is not performed. Look forward, truant, to your second childhood. The crystal sphere discloses wallpaper roses, nasally repeated in pink and bronze, their bunches harbouring elusive faces, under an inconclusive, circling, spidery, ceiling crackler, and by the window frame, the well-loathed, lame, damp patch, cross patch, sleepless elfolemur, who, puffed to giant size, waits jealously till children close their eyes. The impartial law enrolled a name for my especial use. My rights in it would rest the same, whether I puffed it into fame or sank it in abuse. Robert was what my parents guessed when first they peered at me, and Graves, an honourable bequest with Georgian silver and the rest, from my male ancestry. They taught me, you are Robert Graves, which you must learn to spell, but see that Robert Graves behaves, whether with honest men or knaves, exemplarily well. Then, though my eye was always I, illegal and unknown, with nothing to arrest it by, 
as will be obvious when I die and Robert Graves lives on, I cannot well repudiate this noun, this natal star, this gentlemanly self, this mate so kindly forced on me by fate, time, and the registrar, and therefore hurry him ahead as my ambassador to fetch me home my beer and bread, or commandeer the best green bed, as he has done before. Yet understand, I am not he, either in mind or limb. My name will take less thought for me in worlds of men I cannot see, than ever I for him. To die with a forlorn hope, but soon to be raised by hags, the spoilers of the field, to elude their claws, and stand once more on a well-swept parade ground, scarred and bemedalled, sword upright in fist, at head of a new undaunted company. Is this joy? To be doubtless alive again, and the others dead? Will your nostrils gladly savour the fragrance, always new, of a first hedgerows? Will your ears be charmed by the thrush's melody, sung as though he had himself devised it? And is this joy, after the double suicide, heart against heart, to be restored in tower, to smooth your hair and wash away the lifeblood and presently seek a young and innocent bride, whispering in the dark forever and ever? Looking by chance in at the open window, I saw my own self seated in his chair, with gaze abstracted, furrowed forehead, unkempt hair. I thought that I had suddenly come to die, that to a cold corpse this was my farewell, until the pen moved slowly upon paper and tears fell. He had written a name, yours, in printed letters, one word on which bemusedly to pour, no protest, no desire, your naked name, nothing more. Would it be tomorrow? Would it be next year? But the vision was not false, this much I knew. And I turned angrily from the open window and gasped at you. Why never a warning, either by speech or look, that the love you cruelly gave me could not last? Already it was too late. The bait swallowed, the hook fast. A perverse habit of cat goddesses, even the blackest of them, black as coals, save for a new moon blazing on each breast, with coral tongues and beryl eyes like lamps, long-legged, pacing three by three in nines. This obstinate habit is to yield themselves in very similar love ecstasies to tatter-eared and stinking alley-toms, no less below the common run of cats than they above it, which they do for spite, to provoke jealousy. Not the least abashed by such gross-headed, rabbit-coloured litters, as soon they shall be happy to desert. Five summer days, five summer nights, the ignorant, loutish, giddy blue fly hung without motion on the cling peach, humming occasionally, O oh my love, my fair one, as in the canticles. Magnified one thousand times, the insect 
Look farcically human. Laugh, if you will. Bald head, stage fairy wings, blear eyes, a caved-in chest, hairy black mandibles, long spindly thighs. The crime was detected on the sixth day. What then could be said or done by anyone? It would have been vindictive, mean, and what not to swat that fly for being a blue fly for the debauch of a peach. Is it fair either to bring a microscope to bear on the case, even in search of truth? Nature, doubtless, has some compelling cause to glut the carriers of her epidemics. Nor did the peach complain. How most unnatural-seeming, yet how proper. The sea, like a cat with fur rubbed the wrong way, as the Sirocco, with its furnace flavour, dashes at full tilt around the village, from every which away, hot as a two-buck pistol, stripping green olives from the blown-back boughs, scorching the roses, blowing sand in the eyes, while slanderous tongues in the small cafes and in the tightly shuttered granite houses clack defamation, incite and invite knives to consummate their near murders. Look up. A great grey cloud broods nonchalant on the mountain top nine hundred feet above us, motionless and turgid, blotting out the sun, and from it sneers a supercilious devil, mere local wind, no messenger of mine. Finis, apparent on an earlier page, with fallen obelisk for colophone, must this be here repeated. Death has been ruefully announced, and to die once is death enough, be sure, for any lifetime. Must the book end, as you would end it, with testamentary appendices and graveyard indices? But no, I will not lay me down to let your cheerful music mar the decent mystery of my progress. So now, my solemn ones, leaving the rest unsaid, rising in air as on a gander's wing at a careless comma. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet.